Welcome back to the Shots Aside podcast. I'm your host, Alex. Uh, joined by Matt today. We got uh, a couple things we want to talk about. Um, you know, obviously, March Madness is starting uh, soon. So we're going to talk a little bit uh, about March Madness, some of our you know, favorite highlights in the past. We'll talk about some of the top teams. Um, and then uh, on Wednesday, we'll have a uh, bracket that we'll do together, kind of, you know, foreshadowing what we think might happen in the tournament, even though we'll probably be wrong, but uh, it'd still be fun to kind of go through. And then uh, we'll talk about the whole Ja Morant situation. We'll get into our MVP ladder um, and then we will talk about some fantasy tips um, as we're kind of getting into the playoffs in fantasy. Uh, and then we'll also just kind of skim over. I, I shouldn't say skim over, but we'll talk about some of the uh, standings, how teams are looking and faring off um, as we're now, I believe, two weeks into past All-Star break. So um, uh, that's, that's another thing we'll get into. But uh, starting off, you know, NCAA tournament is starting up. I believe you got the first four, Matt, that are on, is it on Tuesday and Wednesday? Yeah, I think the first four starts Tuesday and Wednesday. Looks like they're both Tuesday. So we got Pittsburgh and Mississippi uh, is the late game on Tuesday at 810. And then you got Southeast Missouri State versus Texas A&M. Uh, the two sixteen seeds um, for the five forty game. So um, starts on Tuesday, and then I believe there's two more on Wednesday, um, and then okay, this round of sixty four starts on Thursday, I believe. Okay, so yeah, um, are there any teams that you know you're kind of looking at to be like top dogs going into this March Madness? Uh, yeah, I mean, basically the, the one seeds are obviously, I mean, always good picks in the NCAA tournament. I think, uh, Bama's obviously rolling right now. That's why they got the number one overall seed. They just won the SEC tournament. Um, they got top draft prospect, um, Brandon Miller on their team, who's just been balling out all year long. So I'd expect them to maybe make a deep run. It looks like they got fairly easy side um obviously arizona is a pretty solid team and then uh you got teams like virginia and um baylor in it who could give them some troubles too potentially uh maybe even that maryland team they've been decent throughout the year but i'd say another team to take a look at would be um kansas i mean obviously they have the they just lost to texas um but they beat Texas early in the year, and obviously they're the champions last year, so they're um, they have the ex- tournament experience, which which can always be helpful. I know they lost some guys from last year, but they still have some experience um, there, and then obviously like coaching makes a big difference. Um, and then just a team that's getting hot right now that I think a lot of people might be. Uh, looking towards and making their brackets would be Duke who is 17 and one this year with uh, their full with their full squad healthy so I think this is this team's really solid team I think even though they don't have coach K this year for the first year um, they went undefeated at home and they're just a solid team in general they got 
two big guys, the two seven footers, in fact, um, which can give a lot of teams problems just by the size alone. Um, I just think they're a team that could definitely make a, a run as a five seed. I was kind of surprised they got a five seed. Um, is there any teams that you've been looking at that you think could make a run? Yeah, I mean, just looking at the top 25, um, mainly at win streaks, you talked about Duke, who's on a nine-game win streak. Um, as you know, I'm a big Duke fan, so uh, I'll, I'll probably pick them in, uh, in the tournament to go pretty far. Um, two other teams that have a nine-game win streak, though, uh, Gonzaga, we know how they do in the tournament. Usually they're you know, an Elite Eight, Final Four type of team. Uh, and then you got Marquette, who we haven't really seen get back to, you know, a winning way. I believe they won their conference too. So um, I believe they beat Xavier. Was that, is that right? Yeah, in the championship. Right. So um, I really like what Marquette's doing. They're 16-1 at home, 28-6 record. Uh, like I said, nine-game win streak. And we really haven't seen, you know, them – really get that far since you know do you remember uh uh who's uh evander blue or is uh is that his name i know his last name's yeah vander blue yeah yeah so he played a little bit in the nba didn't quite um pop off necessarily but uh he was a great offensive player but even before that like the last time they probably made it that far was you know when they had Jimmy Butler, and then before that, it would have been Dwayne Wade. So um, it's kind of cool to see Marquette, you know, you know, be one of those top teams once again. Um, I actually ran into a Marquette fan, uh, one, a guy that went to Marquette for college at the Timberwolves game, and uh, he was wearing a, a D Wade Marquette jersey. So uh, I know a lot of people in uh, that are Marquette fans are are pretty pumped about uh, this tournament and how it could, you know, lead to um, you know, their kind of brand getting a little bit better than it has been lately or, or in the past. So, um, other than those three teams, you know, it's tough because at the top, I think you had Houston who's 31 and three, they just lost, uh, their tournament or, uh, conference tournament, UCLA, Kansas, they both lost their conference tournament as well. So, um, I mean, it's like every year, I, I feel like you're just throwing darts at a dartboard when it comes to March Madness. I mean, that's, there's a reason why they call it March Madness because, you know, most of the time you'll get, you'll feel very confident with your teams and it doesn't even matter if you have like 20 brackets because the chance of you getting even, and then, you know, 90% of it right is, is very rare. So, um, it's going to be fun, though, like it like it is every year. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to it, too. There's always uh, some big-time shots, big-time plays that happen in the tournament that um, all lead up to the, the final moment of cutting the nets down in the, the championship. Um, is there any uh, memorable tournament memories that you have uh, that come to mind from recent years or as far back as you can remember? Yeah, I mean, if we're going – recent years i mean you had that unc versus uh was it butler or no uh, um, villanova villanova where right. you had yeah where you had um jenkins hit that 
incredible buzzer beater to win the championship. I think in recent history, that's probably one of the one of my favorite moments. Um, yeah. But like even going back to when I was you know younger, I mean, just seeing Carmelo in the tournament, seeing Steph Curry in the tournament for Davidson, putting up twenty to thirty points on a on a daily basis in the tournament and leading a 10 scene Davidson to, uh, I believe they made it to the elite eight. Right. So, yeah. Or even at CJ McCollum upsetting a uh, number two seed Duke when he was oh, 15 yeah. seed Lehigh. Lehigh. Um, yeah. that was pretty cool memory. Um, one of my favorite ones is, uh, was, uh, even though he didn't pan out in the NBA, it was Jimmer for Just unreal to watch yeah. him in college. Yeah. Um, I used to love watching him. Um, but yeah, I mean the tournament's a fun time. I, I mean, I remember uh, the Mario Chalmers shot too. That was a pretty cool one. Oh, for uh, Kansas, when, yeah, yeah. When they're, was... I think that they're playing D Rose too, right? His Memphis team, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, there's always fun tournament uh, games and shots to be made. Uh, it should it should be another good one this year. I, I know I'll definitely be tuning in. Oh yeah, it seems like every single year there's probably like four to eight like game winners or like game changing plays in like the final seconds every single year. So that's yeah, what I'm I mean, probably most excited about. Even just a few years ago, uh, Jordan Poole had like a big game winner too in a tournament game. So yeah. So, Former Michigan Wolverine. Yeah. That was when he first jumped on the scene. So this is a perfect time for players to start making names for themselves too is, uh, especially guys from smaller schools that aren't necessarily uh, talked about as much as some of the big name schools. Right. And speaking of names, um, you know, I haven't really followed that closely with the NCAA this year, just because I've been so focused on NBA, but are there any players that you think would be, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of overseas players that are going to be, or even G league ignite players that are going to be top, you know, 10 players. Are there any NCAA college men's basketball players that you have high on your your draft board or could make a name for themselves in the tournament this year? Yeah, I mean, obviously I already touched on them a little bit, but Brandon Miller for Alabama is just a phenomenal player. Um, I think he'll make a big impact for them. and I mean, he obviously already has because he's uh, (laughs) brought them to the number one overall seed, so it's clear that he's doing pretty good. Um, but then you also got a couple guys from Arkansas that have been doing doing really well this year, and Anthony Black and Nick Smith Jr., who could be top ten prospects in the NBA. Um, Houston's got Walker, um, Jarese Walker. He's been having a great year. Um, going down to Duke too, like uh, they've had some injuries throughout the year, but they have prospects all the time. They got. Like I said, they're two seven footers. They got Kyle Flipkowski and Derek Lively Jr., uh, who have been doing really good this year. And then they got Derek Whitehead as well. So they got three prospects. As you know, Duke's always got those loaded rosters. So um, right. when they can, can when they can finally start meshing, that that's when they usually start uh, to do well. But yeah, I mean, the tournament's chock full of uh, draft prospects this year. I know that they might not have the top two in uh, Scoot and Victor Wembanyama, but there's no shortage of talent that will be uh, on display in the NCAA tournament this year. Right, and like I said, we will do a our own little tournament March Madness bracket 
uh, for the Shotside crew. Hopefully, we can get Adam in there as well, and we'll kind of just uh, you know go through it together, pick who we think is going to win, and uh, you know maybe we could win some cash if we get it perfect. Who knows? But <laughs> um, yeah. moving on to uh, some NBA talk. Finally, though, um, some kind of depressing news, you know, with John Morant. Um, I'm sure by this point you guys have all heard, you know, the John Morant situation. Um, you know, he hasn't been playing for the past week, week and a half, something like that. Um, and it's still kind of undetermined when he's going to come back to play for Memphis. But um, if you guys haven't heard, I'll just go through the recap real quick. Um, you know, February 20th or February 5th uh, of this year, of course, he had that Pacers incident where, you know, some of his, you know, um, kind of, you know, his members on his team were, uh, you know, reported of pointing la- lasers at uh, some of the staff and players uh, of the Pacers. Then you had um, a Washington Post report on two separate incidents from a summer incident where he has a lawsuit that was filed in a pickup basketball game where uh, apparently a 17 year old boy was, you know, threatening him with a gun uh, tucked in his pants and, you know, John Morant ended up assaulting him. Uh, But that's, you know, speculation. I don't know if that's true or not. Still a lot more to kind of figure out with that. But uh, I think the main thing that I kind of want to touch on is, the Instagram post of him flashing what appeared to be a gun. Um, and, you know, I think this is the main reason why we haven't seen Ja back on the, on the court. And I know there's been um, uh, the, the police department has uh, for, I, th- I believe Memphis or wh- whatever that where it was in that, by that night. Yeah, in Denver, I think. Right. So um, I know they've asked the nightclub managers to kind of, reveal some footage and stuff and it doesn't seem like they're really cooperating as of this point right now from what i've heard but um yeah it's just not a good scene for john morant his camp uh and memphis in general um just want to kind of hear your thoughts on it matt yeah i mean it's more just disappointing than anything i think not really necessarily uh questioning like jazz decisions like that much but more just like the fact like that he put put it on like instagram live like i mean he can do whatever he wants in his free time as long as he just um i mean as long as like it's not like illegal and uh, if it is illegal like probably don't put it on instagram live like i mean his business is his business but as soon as you put it on live then it's everybody's business um so and it's just really kind of just uh, like disheartening for that the whole Memphis uh, team and their fan base, just because they're having like an incredible year, like, um, and they still can have an incredible year. But it's just kind of a dark spot on the year because they, I think they have the two seed right now. If three, if I'm not three mistaken, seed now, uh, Sacramento just Sacramento? moved. Well, they're okay. they're tied at. They have the same record, but Sacramento has the uh, tiebreaker. So. As of right now, okay. Memphis is number three, but they're still like, I think I want to say they're like three or four games above. Um, is it Phoenix? I believe four seed. So, yeah, that sounds right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a little bit disappointing too, is because like this, the 
time of the year where like you're ramping up for the playoffs. Um, then like on top of the jaw news, like Brandon Clark tore his Achilles and he's out for the year. Um, so it's kind of been a, one of those things where when it rains, it pours for, uh, for them. Um, Steven Adams has also been most likely ruled out for the rest of the regular season. Cause he got a, another injection in his knee. Um, so things that, I mean, they haven't been going great, but at the same time, they could turn it around really quick if Ja came back because, I mean, they just beat the Warriors without Ja, um, so that was a great win. Um, but just staying on the Ja subject for a little bit longer, I, you know, you would just like to see, like, out of the face of the franchise, just a little bit more uh, maturity, you know, just... I'm not even saying he's immature. I'm more just saying, like, he has as the face of the franchise, like he has to know that like certain things can't go on Instagram live. Like he's not Paul Pierce. He can't just put strippers and stuff on the, <laughs> on Instagram. Well, that's live. A, that's Wha- even a, di- that's a different cir- circumstance though. Cause Paul Pierce is, I mean, it's, he was on yeah, ESPN. Well, and he was he retired too. So that's what I'm saying. Right. Is like, but that still affected his job going forward. Yeah, and he I wasn't mean, able to work for ESPN. So, you know, Jaw's not going to have the same repercussion. I don't think he's going to come back and play, but yeah, that's tough because, you know, I think in Denver you're allowed to um, carry firearms in Mm -hmm. certain circumstances. Um, But I mean, like you said, you can't be flashing stuff on, on Instagram live where millions upon millions of people are watching that. And then, not only is it affecting you and your image, um, it's affecting your team as well, which we've seen. You know, you talked about them missing key players like Brandon Clark, who's such a, you know, great energizer bunny for them. And then you got uh, Steven Adams, who, you know, playoff time, it's kind of hit or miss depending on the matchup, but he's always, I mean, you need a big guy especially in the regular season to just, you know, kind of shelter some of the role or, uh, you know, for rebounding in general, but yeah, it leaves the um, league in offensive rebounds. Right. So, I mean, when you're, when you're playing Tillman at the five on most nights as a six foot eight center, and then you're, I mean, granted you do have Jaron Jackson, which helps with some of your paint protection, but, uh, I, I think it's just too much pressure on, you know, Desmond Bain and then the whole Dylan Brooks fiasco um, in the league. I mean, you you saw the, like the Draymond post and stuff like that and, and that stuff too. If you want to touch on that real quick. Yeah, I mean, just normal stuff. I mean, they, they kind of have gotten into it in the past, but um, I know that uh, Dylan Brooks made some comments about Draymond and then Draymond fired back on his podcast about it. Um, and, and honestly, I do kind of side more with Draymond just because Draymond's a four-time champion. Um, proven, yeah. And he's proven, whereas like Dylan Brooks really hasn't won anything yet. Um, <laughs> he I mean, beat Dray- the Timberwolves, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he beat the T-Wolves in a series and like it's nice and all that they can win a regular season game against the Warriors, but can you beat them in a seven-game series? Um, that's a real but, question. Well, and it's not a healthy Warriors team either. I mean, they still had Wiggins, who was out. They still had – who else was out? 
Wiggins, Kamingo um, was out. Kamingo um, was out, who's been playing great recently. Gary Payton, I guess. Uh, if I don't even know if he's coming back this year, but I right could be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know they were missing Jaw too, but it's more just like I feel like you you don't need to give uh, a team that's had your number in the playoffs any more fuel for the playoffs because um, that could be actually like a first round matchup. But I think they might even play each other first, like if it ended today. So um, um, not positive, but I th- I thought the Warriors were the six seed last time I looked, but maybe I, not. I th- let me check. I think they're yeah they're the six seed right now. So if if it did come down to it, they would play, which would be one of the more entertaining first round matchups, I would say. Yeah, I mean, and it's not to say that Dylan Brooks isn't a dog because I think he does do a lot of good things out there. I think uh, he does cause a lot of um, problems for offensive players. Uh, he gets in Curry's face a lot, um, but it's more just like you don't really need all the chatter like until you back it up by winning important playoff series. Um, right. And I think some of the best players in the game know that. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I think it would be really interesting to see these guys play in a series. Cause that, you know, that all the talking will be coming out, um, during that series. Um, how many, if you had to guess like on average, how many, how many technicals do you think would be in that, that series alone? I, at least six. <laughs> yeah. I say at least two apiece from Dylan Brooks and Draymond and then, yeah. I think other players too. I feel like these. Yeah, Jordan Poole like would probably get other. one. We saw Jordan Poole already get one this this past week too. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't even surprise me if uh, Jaron Jackson got one too, just because he gets called for a lot of fouls and uh, is understandably frustrated sometimes. Uh, he's kind of that cat type player where they just get tons of fouls called on them. Um, even Curry, Curry got one last year for throwing his mouth guard. Um, I think that was in that series too, if I'm not mistaken. It was, yeah. Um, so, but, but I mean, even even when Curry gets like teed up or something, I'm still like, you know, it. I'm not the biggest Curry fan. I, I respect what he does, but like, even when he gets teed up, like it's some of the like it seems like the most childish childish stuff that he does, like just throwing a mouthpiece or just like. Yeah. Yelling like I can only imagine him yelling in his like low like his voice. So just, <laughs> just it like I don't look at him as like a very angry person when it comes to like like if I was a ref and he was yelling at me, I'd be like, okay, like I'm not gonna tee you up for just yelling yeah. at me. But like I don't know, but it, it is it, it is gonna be fun to see like if that does happen. Like that would be a fun matchup to watch, but um, you know, another fun matchup would probably be you know Denver against whoever the seven or eight seed is, or I guess it would be the A seed. But as of now, Dallas is the A seed. You got Lakers and Utah in the nine and ten seed. So um, I think that would be a good matchup. And what I kind of want to get into is just the mvp mvp ladder and who who you would who you think is going to be a possible mvp candidate i think there's what probably five candidates right now and joel Embiid 
Nikola Jokic, Giannis. I mean, you could throw Jason Tatum in there, even though he's been injured and kind of, you know, not playing up standard. And then fifth one, I mean, maybe you throw in Damian Lillard, something like that. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's probably, at this point in the year, it's probably a two-man race between Jokic and Embiid. Um, just because, like, some of those guys, like, Giannis has been hurt periodically. Um, he's hurt right now. Um, Tatum's I mean, been be- out. Um, best record in the NBA, though, Milwaukee. Oh, yeah, but I think it's also a testament to their depth, too, and guys like Middleton and Drew. Not that Giannis isn't a stud, but... Um, they stuck in like that Warriors game pretty well without him, and they've won games throughout the season without him too. Um, whereas I feel like guys like Jokic and Embiid, um, feel like their teams would be a dumpster fire sometimes <laughs> without them, just with how much they contribute on a nightly basis. Um, my personal opinion, I'd I would probably give it to Embiid as of right now, just because. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of a one of those guys who thinks like twice is uh, enough, like in a row, just for um, in terms of like I don't know, like because like for example, like somebody like LeBron could have won it seven years in a row or something like that. Like if if you wanted right. to give it to him, so like right. I feel like you kind of have to have that same like thing for somebody like Joker. Is that like you need to change it up and give it to somebody else? Because like. If you're not going to do it for one player, like I, I feel like it's kind of crappy to do it for another player. Um, and that's not even to say that Embiid doesn't wouldn't deserve it because um, he'd been absolutely on a tear lately. I know he he ravaged our Timberwol- Timberwolves this past week. They won by like I think twenty against us, and they're missing yeah, Harden too. Um, yeah. Oh, you were at that game. Yeah, that was a that was a tough one. That, that had to have been a tough one to watch, but. Uh, a lot, I mean, a lot of Timberwolves fans going home early on that on that <laughs> night. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, that's a it's a tough matchup for uh, any center too. Like, um, even when they play each other, Jokic or uh, Embiid usually has a good game against Jokic. Um, uh, Jokic is a stud, though. I mean, he does put up constant triple doubles, and they do win his games when he's putting up triple doubles too. It's not. It's not a Russell Westbrook where you're losing games while putting up triple doubles. Um, so I, right. I can see where you'd make a case for him, but at the same time, I, I think we need somebody new as an MVP this year, and I think that guy's Joel Embiid. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, so the main reason I wanted to bring up the MVP race is just, I mean, I'm sure you heard, I'm sure a bunch of NBA fans heard, you know, Kendrick Perkins is – kind of racial you know talking point about how you know just the voters i think he said like 80 percent of the voters are white or caucasian or whatever and 20 percent other um first off espn uh came out after that and said that was false so um and then i think jj reddick put it perfectly so if you guys haven't watched it or or listened to it yet check out the uh that first take um i'm sure you can go on youtube and just type in jj reddick and kendrick perkins or something like that and it should be one of the first ones to pop up but i think jj reddick had it perfectly said there is you know 
yeah, you can question, you know, players like Steve Nash on maybe not his first one where, you know, Phoenix had the top offense and he was, you know, not the top point guy or like points per game player that year, but, you know, led that Phoenix Suns team to the best record. Um, he was also the driving point in that Mike D and D'Antoni offense. Um, you can make a case for the second year uh, when maybe, you know, Kobe Bryant could have won it. Um, a number, another, of you know, some other players as well. But um, I just thought Kendrick Perkins is, is kind of take on it was just totally off. And, and, you know, JJ said it pretty well as, you know, I, I feel like first take and a lot of these primetime, you know, television sports shows try to just push you know narratives that maybe aren't true and that just get clicks and um that not only does the nba you know a detriment to the nba but uh it doesn't tell the full truth of of some of these stories so um if you guys haven't checked it out please check out that that jj reddick um and kendrick perkins uh debate on first take but uh, getting back into it, um, you know, Jokic averaging 24 a game, 11.8 rebounds, 10 assists, like Matt said, triple-double. So, you know, he's number one on the MVP ladder on NBA.com, which, you know, deservingly so. You know, he's having an all-time year. He's first, their first place in the West, the Denver Nuggets are. Uh, he's having a good year, but I do agree with Matt. I think Joel Embiid, without Joel Embiid, Philadelphia is probably like what a nine seed eight seed somewhere around there yeah I mean the east isn't as good as the west in my opinion from top to bottom but I think they're more a little more top heavy but yeah I mean without Embiid they're definitely not where they are Um, right I mean you could probably say the same about the Nuggets but I just feel like it's more like you need a little bit of variety um, in the MVP race yeah I mean a lot of people thought Joel Embiid should have won it not only last year, but maybe the year before. And uh, I think if he gets robbed this year, I think it is a tragi- tragedy to just see Embiid not get an MVP. I mean, he's averaging 33.3 points per game, which is, I believe, Most tops in the, in the NBA. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 10 rebounds a game, four assists. Uh, he's won player of the month a handful of times in the Eastern Conference. Um, and that's with Giannis being there and Giannis is, he's having a good year as well. You know, 31 points per game, 11.9 rebounds per game, almost six assists. You could make a case for Giannis as well. And I wouldn't be upset. Um, I think it's those three. And then, you know, Tatum's having a good year. Boston, you know, has struggled a little bit lately just with Tatum being out and they've had some injuries to deal with, but he's averaging 30 points a game, eight, almost nine rebounds, almost five assists. Uh, he's having a career year, and then, you know, you got players like, you know, Damian Lillard. You got even like I'd Sabonis, say, yeah, or Luka Doncic too. He's averaging thirty-three a game, right behind Embiid in points per game. You know, almost nine rebounds, eight assists. So, I th- I think there's a lot of players that you could definitely make a a case for being MVP. I just think consistency-wise, Embiid's been doing it. And beating Jokic and Giannis, those three have been doing it for the past three years, if not longer. 
at a consistent rate. And um, two of those players in Giannis and Jokic have already won MVPs. And I think it's time not only for the voters to vote for Embiid, but to also give him the respect he deserves, especially for that, you know, Philly squad. And you might hear a lot of people being like, you know, well, you know, Philly hasn't done anything in the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. Well, this isn't a, a playoff award. This is a regular season award. And uh, Embiid's been showing it all year, what he's capable of on the court uh, and what he means to this Philly uh, franchise. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if it was a postseason award, Steph would have won it last year. Um, and it's not. It's just about the regular season. And exactly. Embiid, one of the reasons, too, that I think Embiid deserves it is that I, I think it, it's tough to argue against um, or for it, Jokic being even near Embiid in terms of defensive ability. So, like, I think he, there, there's arguments to be made on, on offense that Jokic could maybe be better all around, uh, but on defense, not even close. Like I not feel like Embi- Embiid's just impacts their defensive presence for the Sixers like way more than uh, Jokic does for the Nuggets. Um, well, I mean, I'd say Embiid, <laughs> Giannis, and Tatum are way better defenders than Jokic is. Yeah, and then just when you stack that on top with uh, of Embiid leading the league in points, like. I mean, at a certain point, you got to give the man his credit. Um, I'm definitely not a Philly supporter either. Like, I, I really don't like Philly teams in general. But I, <laughs> just because they've, they've is it given, their uh, fan bases or what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just they, they've kind of uh, owned like the the Vikes and the the T Wolves yeah. at certain times. So I mean, just a little salty there. But uh, you got to give the man his credit. It, like he's been just balling out this year. Um, I think it's finally time that he, he gets the MVP and gets that recognition. Um, I think I think we are going to see a better Philly team in the playoffs this year. I'm not not going to call it for sure because I, I still am pretty high on Boston, but um, Philly definitely looks like they could be capable of going further in the playoffs this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out. That's That's for sure. Yeah, and you can devil you can make a case for all probably all five of those players. I mean, Jokic probably one of the greatest big man passers in the game to ever do it. Um the times where he's just been post up, posted up and they throw him the ball. And what I've noticed is like I'll see him posting up and what most centers do is they'll just back down, back down. They're not looking up. And they're just trying to, you know, try to find a way to get their shot off. Jokic is always looking around and, you know, trying to find the weakness in the defense for somebody who's trying to double team him, which is something super underrated that I think he does. And probably why he's gotten two MVP votes is not only can when he's getting single or double teamed, he can score the ball, but also finds his players, you know, wide open, helps his team out. Uh, that much more Um, and you know we got to see it a little bit more in the playoffs as well because I think teams kind of adjust a little bit better in the playoffs against him but like I said regular season award and then you got Embiid and Giannis and and what they do for their teams on the offensive end and defensive end um, two great candidates 
Luca's missing time, so maybe maybe you can't put him in that top three, you know, race with those three. But uh, you know, Luca's been doing a great job for Dallas with you know, uh, besides Kyrie, they really don't have a lot of players to kind of help him out. Um, and then Tatum's missing time as well. Uh, he probably would have been a top three candidate if he was healthy. And if Boston was, you know, a number one seed, but um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of players in these in this top five MVP ladder that I think that could win it. So, um, moving on a little bit to just like the standings a little bit. Um, is there anybody that kind of surprises you at, at where they are in uh, the East or the West? I mean, kind of a a good surprise but um the kings obviously surprised me the most um just from the beginning of the year until now um because i feel like it's pretty unexpected that they would have been the, the two seed this late in the season um and honestly they they'll probably stay around uh between two and four at the the lowest probably uh, unless they go on like a huge losing streak um here at the end of the year but they've just been doing very well <laughs> i mean like there's nothing yeah. like at a certain point you kind of just got to give credit where credit's due um they might just end up being like a team like um the raptors uh or the hawks like in in like uh years past like in the mid 2000s 2010s um where they're more of a regular season team but at the same time, I, I do think they're a gritty team. I think they're a team that, especially when they're at home, they can give teams a lot of trouble um, just because they're, they are a really versatile team. When you have somebody like Sabonis, who is honestly like a Jokic light um, to a certain extent. Yeah, mini, um, mini Jokic. Yeah, I think they just have – and they have some perimeter defenders. But, I mean, the real reason is their offense. They just have such a, a fluid offense that – if you don't get stops, um, they're going to put up a lot of points. Um, and they can make some timely shots too. Like uh, Malik Monk hit, hit some big shots. Uh, Fox has made some big plays at the end of games. Um, I this... think Fox is top two. Maybe he might be the best uh, fourth quarter scorer in the NBA this year. Um, I'm not sure if it's him or Kyrie, but... Uh, if he's not first, he's he's definitely second. He's definitely been putting up a, a ton of points in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, you mentioned just the scoring prowess that Sacramento has. It's not only because of their, you know, because they can score in the half court with Sabonis, who can kind of slow it down and, and get their offense going um, as a great big man who can pass, but also, you know, off of rebounds, you got Darren Fox, who's probably the fastest guy in the NBA that can, race down the court, pass it to players like Kevin Herter and Malik Monk and Keegan Murray, who's a top three rookie of the year candidate that can all knock down threes. Um, it really makes this team a little bit tougher to guard. Now, can they stay, you know, consistent in the playoffs? That's, that's still to be seen because, you know, we haven't seen Sacramento in the playoffs in a long, long time. So, um, I have said in multiple podcasts though, I, I do think, I always thought they were going to be a playoff team this year. I always thought um, they could possibly be, you know, make it past the first round. But uh, am I am I confident in it? 
I wouldn't say I'm 100% confident because I haven't seen it. So um, that's that's the big thing that I'm kind of looking at these last, like, what, 12, 15 games is to is kind of see that, how consistent they can be. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I it really all comes down to, like, the matchup in the playoffs too. Like, um, some team, like, if they played a Warriors team maybe without Wiggins, um, I would maybe like them in that series. Um but if they ended up playing like the Lakers that are fully healthy, or if they ended up playing like Dallas, I'm not sure I do like that them in that series. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was more just saying like for regular season wise, like they've just been kind of a pleasant surprise. I I would have never thought they would have been this high in the standings. Um, I mean, I could have seen them make the play in, but that's probably as far like up as I probably would have put them. Um, right. And I think most people had that thought too. And then um, on the other side of things, I think the going to the Eastern Conference, I think the most surprising team there for me has probably been um, the New York Knicks. I think I've been pleasantly surprised with how well they've played. Um, I mean, just the impact that Jalen Brunson has had on this team has just been. Uh, a lot greater than I thought it would have been. Um, not that I didn't think Brunson was a good player. I just didn't think he'd be make this much of an impact that, I mean, he's really was kind of like the missing piece to a certain extent of what they're missing in years past is just somebody that can really run the offense and slow things down and hit big shots and just make sure everything's calm, cool and collected in times when they need it. Um, and I think that's really made a big difference because uh, in years past, we had seen like Julius Randle kind of like, especially in playoff times. I mean, we haven't seen it in the playoff yet, but um, you can't, it's tough to run an offense through the four um, and you need a good, strong ball handler. And RJ Barrett was too young at the time and he still is not the best, but. I mean, yeah. unless it's Giannis running through the four, but. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's rare. Uh, it's rare. It's rare is what I'm saying. Like, even, like, Cat, like, that's why it's nice to have Ant. Um, but I just think they, they've they been such a good team, and I think they have a lot of depth and a lot of good defense on their team, too. Uh, I know Tibbs always preaches defense. Um, I, th- I think they could be a tough, tough out for some teams in the playoffs. Um, I think certain matchups, I think they would get dominated, like, I don't think like Philly would be a good matchup for them, but I think even like a smaller team, like the Celtics, I feel like it's that that could be a, a testy matchup for the Celtics. Um, if they ended up playing each other, um, I think r- right now they would play, they're the six seed. So they play Philly. Philly. So yeah. that I would not like that matchup if I was them. Hopefully they can get past Brooklyn. Um, well, which I, I mean, they could, they should. So, I mean, they're, probably going to play cleveland which which you know isn't a terrible matchup because they have players in guard you know darius garland and donovan mitchell and um jared allen and mobley but i i mean that would be a very enticing first round matchup then again if you want it you're playing milwaukee so that's i don't see them getting past the second round but i mean looking at the stats i mean they're Point differential is 2.6, which isn't that great. They're opposing points per game, 112.4, which 
you know, it's kind of middle of the pack. It's not, you know, it's not on the level of Milwaukee or Philly or Cleveland uh, or even Miami who's behind them. Um, there are a lot. I mean, this year they've been better on the road than they have at home, which is kind of surprising. Uh, 19 and 16 at home, 20 and 14 on the road. Uh, they were on like a 9-10 game losing or winning streak. They're now on a three-game losing streak, and that's probably because Brunson's been out, um, which does prove your point to why Brunson has been such a big factor in, you know, obviously the Dallas would love to have Brunson uh, back on their team if they saw, you know, I mean, they know they knew who Brunson was. I was that's why a lot of people were shocked at to see why they would just let him, you know, walk. But um, for nothing. Yeah, for nothing. And then, you know, I, I think a player like Josh Hart, who we talked about in the last podcast, but he's added a lot to this team defensively. You know, I think he fits in well with that Tom Thibodeau mindset of, uh, you know, defense first and then offense comes second. But um, I, th- I think they've just been a really good half-court team, which in playoff scenarios, you have to be a good half-court team if you want to make it far um, in the playoffs. And um, I think I think New York has a lot to be hopeful of. Um, you know, making it past the first round would be very good to see. I still think they're missing, you know, a superstar on their team. I don't think Julius Randle is that superstar. I think Bronson is definitely a star. I, I It's debatable because I think he's more of a, a two than he is a one, which you know, would fit perfectly if they could get that one to put next to Brunson and then have Julius Randle kind of be that three. Or, you know, if they want to move on from Randle and have, you know, R.J. Barrett, who is up and down, be that three. But uh, they have options, and um, it, it'll be interesting to see how this team goes. But um, a team that is kind of pointing downwards and you know, we've been seeing it for a while now uh, ever since KD and Kyrie trade is Brooklyn right above New York. And um, you know, they still have a solid record, but that's due to Kyrie and, and KD at 39 and 29. Granted they are on a two game win streak, but uh, I don't see this team being a five seed, you know, Miami's playing a lot better. Atlanta's playing a lot better. Toronto, we thought, you know, at trade deadline, we thought they were going to make a bunch of moves, try to get, you know, a top five pick. They're doing the opposite. They brought in Jakob Pertl, who's fit perfectly in that system, as he did when he was drafted on that team. Um, And they're at, you know, ninth seed. Chicago, Washington are kind of battling for that 10 seed. So, you know, Brooklyn's got... They've got they've got some work to do if they want to you know maintain a playoff seed. Um, now, do I think they're not going to make the playoffs? They're going to make the playoffs because they're eight games above that 10-11 seed. But um, if I'm any Eastern Conference team, that's I mean, if if you're Boston or Milwaukee, would you rather just like say Brooklyn was like the seventh seed? Wouldn't you want to? be the second seed versus the first seed and play like it'd be way better to play Brooklyn than it would to play like Atlanta or Miami or Toronto or Chicago. Don't you think? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know about Chicago. Um, 
Chicago doesn't impress me at all when I watch them play, but um, even Atlanta doesn't always impress me. But I, I feel like Brooklyn, I mean, they are a good team in the sense that they have a lot of good defenders on their team. Um, so they definitely like make you work for your points. Um, but yeah, you know, they're just when it comes to playoffs, like you can't have a team full of role players. You just can't. Um, you need a superstar on your team, and I, that's going to be the, the downfall of Brooklyn. That's going to be the downfall of the Knicks in the playoffs. Um, w- when it comes down to the playoffs, you just need a superstar on your team. Like I don't, I don't yeah. know of any team that's ever won any um, huge like that's won any finals or even like gone to the finals without a superstar on their team. Um, I can argue some people aren't superstars or whatever you want, but they like Jalen Brunson's, I would say is a top 25 player. Um, and you need, I I feel like you need a top 10 player if you're going to go like the distance. Um, and that's really the problem with the nets. I mean, Mikhail Bridges has been balling out lately, but, um, we need to see it for a longer period of time. I don't know if it's necessarily sustainable. He's shooting like an insane uh, percentage right now from the mid range. Um, like on, on, <laughs> I don't know the exact number right now, but I was looking it up the other day and it was like something like 60% from mid range, um, which is well, his, unreal. His attempts are way up too. Like he's at like, I think he's averaging like 26 attempts or something like that per game. So, I mean, it's just like what we talked about earlier in the show, like, with the NCAA tournament, like you need your stars to step up, especially in close games where it comes down to one basket. Like, who are you going to count on to make that final shot? Do I trust Mikkel Bridges in a final second um, game in the playoffs to make a, a shot when the defense is a lot better? You know, I haven't seen it. So, I mean, for that reason alone, like it's tough to bet on Brooklyn to even make it past the first round playoff series um let i mean they they got pieces in this trade though i mean they got mikhail bridges they got cam johnson two great players in the suns who you know can be great for their future and i i think they they need to go through a little bit more struggles in the next couple years get some more players in fill out that roster maybe get a star but uh, it it's just not Brooklyn's just not a team that I'm really looking at as being a, a contender in the East or even making it to that second round in general. But um, a team that you know I kind of want to mention real quick is you know Phoenix has just been they've been a lot better since All Star break. Now getting into what happened this past week, which is Kevin Durant going down with an injury during warmups. Matt, if you want to speak on that. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely unfortunate. That was going to be his first uh, home game with the the Suns, so I I know there was a buzz in the arena waiting for that debut, Um, but it ended up being very short and not at all because during the pregame warmups, he uh, rolled his ankle going up for a – layup i don't know if it was slippery or he just rolled it in general um but it definitely didn't look good um 
I think he's going to be out for like two to three weeks now, um, which is the that's the one bright spot about it is that at least it, it wasn't anything like super serious. But at the same time, um, it sucks that like they, they're not going to get more chemistry together before the playoffs because um, he, he likely will be out until like at least like. I mean, how many weeks are left for the regular season? Like five or well, four? He, yeah, he should be back for the last, the final week of the regular season. So hopefully Phoenix will get to see at least one home game from KD before they enter the playoffs. But yeah. that is tough to see it happen, not in a regular season game, but in warmups where I believe he was doing like a spin move layup and then just tweaked it. And, you know, the rest is history. So, um, Getting him back is key, but you know Phoenix. Phoenix has a lot of good players on their team, especially on the starting unit that can kind of fill that role um, and keep them above, you know, that five seed. Um, you know, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, um, Josh Okoge, who I've talked a lot of shit about recently, has looked you know pretty good for that team. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not really worried about. You know, I could see them slip into like the five seed behind the Clippers if the Clippers end up doing, you know, a little bit better, which they are. They're on a three-game win streak, but um, Warriors are another team that could maybe leapfrog them. But other than that, like Minnesota's not, Dallas isn't, Lakers aren't, Utah definitely isn't, and then Pelicans at the 11 seed. Um, as we've heard, you know, Zion's going to be, I think he's out for another two to three weeks. So, you know, Pelicans might not even have a playoff chance at this. So, um, I'm not, I'm not really worried about Phoenix. Uh, it's just more of a question of, you know, is it going to be a full product come playoff time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing with Phoenix is that they did lose some depth in that trade. So, um, we saw it impact them this last game, even against the Kings is that the Kings bench was doing super well. Um, and then ultimately helped them win the game. And then Suns. I mean, you know, you're obviously going to get good games out of Booker and, uh, mostly Aiton for most nights. Um, but they, they don't always have that third guy or the like other score, which obviously will be Katie will be the number one score when he gets back. Uh, most nights, but they've turned to guys like Terrence Ross at times, um, who they got recently. Um, he's had a couple decent games. Um, Chris Paul's kind of, he's not really as much of a scorer anymore, um, but he can no, but at if he times. Can stay healthy, though. Um, yeah. I'm just saying more like in the near future without KD here, like that they, they do have some tough games coming up. So like I, I could see them maybe dropping a little bit um, like their next Two games are against Golden State and Milwaukee. Um, you never know how those will go. Um, and they play it, uh, the Lakers twice. And so, I mean, they could drop in the standings. Um, but I, I feel like they're a good enough team, well-coached enough team, too, that they're going to win games, too. Just off – I mean, when you have Booker put up 44 in a game, um, which he could is capable of doing any night – um, that alone can win you games. Um, so right. I, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll they'll stay out of the, the play-in. 
and get I th- I would say it'll be a four or five seed. Um, it could go either way, six seed at the lowest. Um, but I think they'll be fine come playoff times. I mean, Katie's a, a true veteran too, so like uh, I think it'll take some time to mesh to be at their their like, most elite level, but. Um, I think it can happen quick because he's an elite player. So <laughs> I think they'll right. be fine. Yeah. I mean, main thing is just make, making sure that he's completely healthy when he comes back. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then on the backside of the break, we're going to get into just some fantasy tips uh, on your fantasy leagues. Um, and then we'll end the podcast. Uh, so we'll be right back. Welcome back, guys. Um, I want to touch base just on our your fantasy teams. Um, I know most people are maybe in their second week. Maybe it's the first week of playoffs, but um, a big week coming up um, from March 13th through the 19th. So um, what I really wanted, to, probably my biggest tip that I can give to fantasy owners is... Um, check out who plays the most during well, I should say that who plays the most and who plays the least during this, this next week. And when I look at it, you know, the teams that I probably are going to stay away from if it's, you know, obviously if they're not stars, if, if you have stars on your team, you got to keep them obviously uh, if they're healthy and ready to play, but three teams that are only playing two games this week, this next week are Charlotte, New York, Knicks, and uh, the Utah Jazz. So um, if you have players on Charlotte, you know, maybe, maybe you held on to Mark Williams, even though he's out, um, you know, maybe a Terry Nick Rozier. Richards. Terry, I mean, Terry Rozier, I would keep just because he can get you 46 to 50. Oh, yeah. Which I thought you just were talking about players yeah which isn't bad but uh i'm talking more about those role players that you're picking up yeah like dennis um, like smith an, an, yeah dennis smith jr uh, a nick richards um even maybe a gordon hayward i would i would think about because when looking at uh hornets play on tuesday against cleveland and then they don't play until till friday against um against Philly. So like I would maybe hold on to Gordon Hayward and, until Tuesday and then I would drop him after Tuesday. Um same goes with New York. Like if you have you know uh I mean RJ Barrett's tough to leave out, but maybe like a Mitchell Robinson who's been playing well um I mean, if you picked I up even, Quentin Grimes I would consider RJ Barrett even. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it all depends on the situation. Like, if you jump out to an early lead and don't need those roster true. spots. Um, true. But, it, I mean, if your season's coming down to the wire, you got to make tough choices. And, um, I mean, they're not going to help you if you lose. So, <laughs> right, uh, you got to make tough calls. Um, I mean, maybe not as much New York just because they've been playing so well and a lot of, a lot of their players have been playing well, but especially Charlotte and then Utah. Like if you got like a, I know a lot of people in most leagues, I think have picked up 
a Chris Dunn on Utah on the Utah Jazz, who's I think had a 13.2% increase in roster uh, additions. So I mean that's a, I mean you can use him for Monday where they play Miami. After that, they don't play until Saturday. So um, I would I'd it's keep crazy. him for Monday. I know that is crazy. I mean you get a four what a four day break. Uh, usually that doesn't happen in the NBA. So, I mean, after Monday, I would drop Chris Dunn. I would drop a Kelly Olenek. I would drop... I mean, really, the only players I'm keeping on the Jazz would be, like, Markkinen and Walker Markkinen. Kessler. Right, right. Um, maybe Jordan Clarkson. I know he's on IR, but, like, I'd yeah. keep him on IR just in case that I make it to the next round. And then I believe they play four games... Uh, the following week. So um, it all depends on, on what you need, but like some of the main, main teams that I'm focused on uh, there's, let me look, there's two. So there's 15 teams that play four games this next week. Um, if you have players on these teams, uh, make sure you keep them uh, unless they're not performing as well. But you got Boston, Denver, Detroit, Golden State, Houston, Los Angeles Lakers, Memphis, Miami, Milwaukee, Minnesota, Orlando, Phoenix, Sacramento, Toronto, Atlanta. Uh, actually, Atlanta's three games. So Toronto's that last team. But, um, you know, you got you to gotta look at your matchups too. Like if you have, uh, say on Monday, you got eight to nine players playing, and then Tuesday you got three or four Um that's where I would go. I, I would leave my Monday lineup. And then on Tuesday is where you got to do a little bit of scouting on, you know, say a player is playing four games the rest of the week on Tuesday. Pick him up, drop somebody that is on, you know, a Charlotte team or a, a Washington Wizards team, uh, Utah Jazz, OKC, one of those teams. Um, that's what I would try to do. Um Matt, do you have any advice for, for some of these owners that are trying to, you know, maybe get a first-round win or, or possibly a second-round win? Yeah, I mean, one of the things uh, I would maybe look towards is um, if you can get anybody on the Pistons or the Suns to start off the week would be really nice because they're both on back-to-backs. Um, anytime you can get somebody on a back-to-back to start the week is pretty nice because um, it really – like maximizes your waiver value when you get somebody on back-to-backs because um, when you're dropping somebody usually they play the next day so um, that kind of like accounts for that um, I, like I, I picked up livers and Duran um, so if you could if those guys are on waivers or Suns guys maybe uh, maybe Okogi maybe uh, um, what's his face uh Cameron Payne maybe or yeah Tory or Payne Craig. or Tory yeah Tory Craig was who I was like you could take a shot on him if you wanted to. Um, I would more lean towards the Pistons guys just because like Bogdanovich is out. Um, they already ruled out um, Jaden Ivey, um, so that just opens up a lot of minutes for uh, Pistons players. Um, players I like Corey that, Joseph too yeah, think, is playing a lot more minutes. I think Bagley's out too maybe. Um, so that. He just got hurt this this past game, so um, yeah. So he I mean, might be in or 
they just don't it's know, yeah. so he's day to day so uh personally i would try to stay away from him. i would try to pick up somebody like james wiseman or isaiah livers or um who else do they have Duran. Uh, maybe a jalen duran yeah but then again you know jalen duran plays about 18 to 20 minutes a game uh if he doesn't get around 10 boards and a couple blocks or steals uh, he's not getting you over 25 points. So that's something to keep in, keep in mind as well. Yeah. Yeah, him and uh, Wiseman are kind of split in time now. But the good thing about that, though, is that Wiseman's a foul machine. Um, so that right. can create minutes for him. But, I mean, really just like even – it doesn't even have to be this Monday, Tuesday game. Like any time throughout the week, you can find, drop a player for a player that's on a back-to-back can be nice i mean i wouldn't reach for players like last week i i did something dumb and reached for like um uzman dang or jang uh, i don't know how you pronounce the last name um, Zhang, on the yeah. on the thunder um which i mean ended up not mattering but like you don't reach for guys that you don't know are for sure gonna get playing time because then i mean it's better to have yeah. one guy put up 40 points in one night versus one guy put up a combined 20 points in two games, you know? Right. Um, I would have picked up like a Trey man who's had a lot more playing time since Shea's been, you know, on a little bit of, you know, not playing back to backs, but, um, or I mean, obviously many play, many guys, if you haven't picked him up, if he's still available in your league, Jalen Williams is something, somebody that you should definitely pick up. He's a, a top five rookie this year by far. Yeah, or THT, but obviously be probably not this week. Yeah, um, yeah, because they only had two games. But uh, even just like looking at injuries too is very helpful because like I I picked up uh, Nick Richards when I saw Mark Williams was out, um, and he had a nice game today because he got full playing time minutes. Um, exactly. So that at, at, as the year comes to the end, like some teams are, are starting to get into tank mode, so like. You can look at teams. I think the Spurs have maybe four games this week. They they might be a team to look towards for maybe uh, guy sitting because I know like Trey Jones has had some games um, since coming back from injury. Vassell's had a couple games coming back. Uh, they sit uh, Kellen Johnson every now and then. Like guys like that or like teams like that, you can find some value in sometimes. Um, so those would just be a couple tips I would have. Um, but I, you always fantasy is one of those things where you do kind of got to pay attention just to news because, like, um, there's value that can be created at any point when, like, guys get ruled out and stuff like that or right. and or get injured. Um, not that you want that to happen, but it's just the reality of the game. <laughs> yeah, and just, I mean – yeah, so San Antonio doesn't play four games. And, you know, they're key games, too, because, like, Wednesday and Tuesday are kind of lighter matchups with... Uh, actually, Tuesday is pretty pretty heavy with, with teams playing. Wednesday is a little bit lighter. Um, so they play Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, I believe they play f- Friday as well. Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Friday and Sunday, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, Spurs players, you got to be worried about them, though, a little bit because um, if you're going to play them this week, 
and you have a good chance of winning, you have to be willing to drop them the following week um, as well because I, I believe they're playing a little bit less games next week. So, um, But we, we're mainly focusing on this week. But um, another thing I wanted to get into is just kind of my watch list of players that I'm looking to add if – you know, during, you know, if I'm losing after day one, day two, day three, and so on, uh, some players that I'm looking to add, you know, a player like Cole Anthony, who's only rostered in 38.5% of leagues. Last three games, he's averaging around, or like minutes wise, he's getting about 27 minutes per game. Um, depends on the matchup. You know, he's, he's mainly a score first point guard he can get you a couple steals every once in a while uh, a couple rebounds assists um not the greatest assister um especially on orlando with markel and and jalen uh suggs but um definitely a quality point guard that um you know can put up some high numbers fantasy wise um if you add him um and i believe orlando is playing um four games this week so definitely a player to add um another player to add i mentioned james wiseman um malik monk possible addition his last two games fantasy wise 85 combined fantasy points 43 against phoenix and 42 against new york which is you know in my eyes it's a good sign because if he can play well against great teams like phoenix and new york um he should be, you know, a consistent player uh, going forward. Honest, I mean, honestly, he's only playing about 20, 25 minutes a game. So it depends on how Herder's doing. But, you know, he's a player that you should keep on your watch list to make sure uh, nobody else takes him or if you need that addition going forward. Um, some other players to possibly add. I mentioned Chris Dunn. You probably don't want to add him this year or this week. With uh, Utah only played two games, um, Austin Reeves I know has been added in a lot of the, a lot of leagues. Um, Tari Eason for Houston um, has been playing a lot better. Um, Matt, you got anybody else that could be possible ads? Um, I mean those are pretty. I was gonna mention Austin Reeves because he's been balling lately. Uh, he's pretty pretty darn efficient too. Um, I mean, you could, if you want to take, I think the Grizzlies have uh, four games. You could take a look at Dylan Brooks. Um, he's really inefficient, but if whatever reason he does get hot during games, he can put up points. Um, somebody else you could maybe take a look at would be like uh, maybe even Pat Bev. I'm not sure how many games they have this week, but he's. Had some good games here and there. He had a double-double with rebounds, actually, his last game, which is kind of funny. That's um, crazy. But campaign could be an option, too. Um, Cam Reddish would actually be a good option. He's actually been pro- playing pretty well lately um, if he's available. Um, I'm not sure how many games Portland has this week. but um, Thibault could be another guy for Portland as well. Um, I know yeah. Thibault's been starting over Cam Reddish, but... Um, you're kind of betting on Thibault to get, you know, at least two to three steals and a block too, because uh, especially with Dame and Simons coming back from injury, a little bit less uh, less uh, opportunity for him to, you know, put some points up. Yeah, 
And then uh, somebody that you just picked up, um, Tillman, could be an Tillman, option, yeah. or um, even like Sani Aldama, um, just because of the injuries that they've San- had. Santi Aldama? Or what did I say? Aldama? I just read it quick. Santi Aldama? <laughs> what is it? It's Aldama. I, just, I already scrolled San- past it, so I didn't see it. Santi. Santi Aldama. Santi Aldama. Yeah. Uh, but he could be possible pick up, but like he's put up points at, at various times. But uh, right. I'd more he's lean getting, towards Tillman, right? I, I mean, Aldama, I thought would get a little bit more playing time just because you know, early on in the season, he was starting games and now he's only playing like 18 to 20 minutes. So, um, especially during playoff time, I'm looking for guys that are getting you know around 25 to 35 minutes per game just to give me that opportunity of a big night, uh, especially during this time of the year. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, you could even look at, like, the Thunder Center, uh, Jalen Williams, um, not as consistent of a player, but he's they've been starting him, and he's been doing decent here and there. He's had, in his past four games, he's had two 30-point-plus games. So, I mean, he could be an option. Uh, you just never know with teams. Some of these teams that are on the border of being in the playoffs, um, if they're going to start playing younger players or not. But are you talking um, the Jalen Williams, the from Arkansas? Yeah, he's been doing decent lately. Um, okay. Two, like yeah. I said, two thirty-point games and out of four games, the other two games he didn't do good though. So he's kind of hit or miss. Um, but he'd be more of a player that I'd probably do in, like, a spot game if you really needed somebody. Um, I don't know. I think there's probably better options. But, uh, I mean, you kind of have to base it off your league, too. Like, there's certain leagues that, like, pay more attention to the waivers than others. Um, so you could end up finding really good players. Um, like, I, I know Bobby Portis was on our waivers for a minute um, this that was, past that week. That was crazy, which yeah. Was, yeah, I was not expecting that. I wish I... Would have picked him up, especially with Giannis being out. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you just kind of got to play it by your league. Just pay attention to matchups, injuries, all that stuff. Um, amount of games is big. Like Alex said, that's probably one of the biggest things. Like, the more games you play, the more advantage you're going to have. Um, also, anytime somebody's on IR, I'd recommend putting them on IR if, if your league allows it, just because yes. it can help create a roster spot and without dropping somebody. Um, but yeah, those would be my biggest tips. Um, people I recommend. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. the thing that probably haunts most fantasy owners at night is, like you said, if you don't have that. I mean, most leagues, I think, have one IR, IR spot. We have two IR spots, which I think is great during this generation of NBA where people are taking a, a bunch of games off. Injuries are seems like they're a lot more consistent. But um, if you don't have that IR spot, it's, it's tough because you can't do not get rid of those star players. Um, the thing that would haunt me the most is if I drop... For example, I drop Bojan Bogdanovic. If he ends up coming back during the season and puts up 50 to 60 points, fantasy points, against me on the opposite team and gets them a win versus me, I'm going to feel like crap. 
And then, you know, vice versa for players like LeBron James, who's going to be out, you know, at least until the following week uh, is when he'll be reevaluated. Um, I would still hold on to him, especially if your season, your your playoff season is starting right now versus ours, which is already a weekend. Um, make sure you hold on to those superstars, KD, uh, LeBron, um, players like that, because you never know when or if you're going to get further in the playoffs where you'll be able to use those players and hopefully rack in some money for your teams. But um, yeah, I, I think I think those are the biggest uh, biggest tips we can give you guys um, moving into playoffs. Um, especially in ours, you know, I had a bye week, um, which I literally just did not care about my lineup. I was just focused on, you know, next week and players I can get that can fill roles, um, going into next week so I can get the maximum amount of points I could possibly get. And then also, you know, filling out, you know, I have LeBron in my IR spot. I believe I have who else is in my IR spot? Um, well, I did have Bogdanovich in my IR spot. I, I ended up putting Shea in my IR spot for now, just because he's day to day. And then that allowed me to pick up players like Xavier Tillman and then, um, you know, a player like Dennis Schroeder, who a lot of p- players have picked up um, in many leagues. But, um, yeah, you just got to watch out for, for players that can maximize your team. You know, you're going to have players on your team like Christian Wood or um, somewhere al- along those lines that are not going to put up big points. So you got to have additions that are going to come in and, and fill that role. But um, yeah, I think those are the, like, the biggest uh, things we want to just make sure you guys know going into your playoff season for ESPN uh, fantasy leagues, but um, that'll conclude the podcast for today. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, and Twitter at shot side. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, send it to our Gmail account at shotside at gmail.com. Um, we will have some new YouTube stuff coming out. I know me and me and Matt are really excited about that. Um, and, we do have our uh, one-year anniversary episode coming out on Wednesday, which uh, I think me and Matt are going to go into, you know, a little bit more of kind of what got us into doing podcasts and talking about the NBA and, and kind of our startup of of what inspired us to do this um, on on Wednesday. So I'm, I'm really going to enjoy that podcast that's coming out on Wednesday. But uh, until next time, guys, from Alex and Matt, peace out. Peace.